Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com, and with me today is nobody. The Final Four is here. There's not a lot of turnaround. Elite Eight just finished up the other night, and it's just me. It's a one-man band, so um, thank you for listening if you're, you're, you're willing to go down this treacherous path of just myself here. I'm going to be losing my voice towards the end of it. we got to record a girls podcast right after it, so we'll try to get into it right now. And forgive me if I have to do some pausing, but we got to do what we got to do. Class 7A, we will start in Class 7A, 4 p.m. tip-off. We have Milton versus Wheeler, uh, two teams that already have played each other earlier this season, um, Milton Advance past Newton 68-62. Wheeler beat Berkmar 53-43. And these two teams, they hooked up back on January 25th. Milton won that one 64-62 in a really tight game. Bruce Thornton, obviously, uh, the difference maker in this one with 22 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. And Evan Hurst hit 5 threes and finished with 19 points. Uh, so Milton sitting at 26 and four, Wheeler's 22 and seven. Uh, final regular season ranking, uh, Milton was number three, Wheeler number four. Uh, this game, uh, obviously, it's going to come down to guard play. I think is going to be very important. Uh, Wheeler is in a really nice job without uh, having Isaiah Collier in the mix. The freshman phenom went down with a broken arm or broken shoulder, rather. Um, against East Coweta midway through the year, and that could have really set them back, but Larry Thompson, he's just done a phenomenal job, and I think we have two really, really good coaches uh, going up in this matchup. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. How can Wheeler defend Bruce Lawrenton and keep him out of the lane? That'll be key, but Wheeler, this is a team that loves to punch it inside. Uh, we've harped on this so many times before. Sam Hines, who's going to Denver, uh, he had a really strong game uh, against Berkmar, and as did Jaheim Hudson, six foot seven. He's the difference maker. He didn't play the first couple games of the year for Wheeler, but when he got cleared to play, he has been the difference maker. Jaheim Hudson is a guy that uh, a lot of mid majors, starting at mid majors, need to go in and check and really start to recruit him heavily because he is a skilled big man. He protects the rim. Almost had about a triple double from what I was told last night, battling Malik Ewing who's about 6'10", battling Jalen Deloach, who's about 6'8", 6'9". And he was, uh, you know, he's about 6'7". He's no slouch himself, but that was him. He was the man protecting the paint. So I'm looking for Jaheim Hudson to have uh, a very big impact on this game. Uh, but Lebeus Overton, the big 6'5", 240-pound uh, uh, football player for Milton, that is a big body. How will he counteract Hudson and Hines inside? That's what I'm looking for. Um, I guess I'm on this podcast to give predictions. Um, it's My prediction is that it's going to be a really good game, a really close game. Uh, like I said, Milton won by two in the first meeting. Uh, I think Wheeler is playing really good basketball right now, and they're just gritty. Uh, Milton probably has more long-term talent, considering they got Caden Carlisle on that roster as well. And Devin Farrell is a really good guard. I really like him. Um, so... I, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. Milton, I think, has a better backcourt, even though um, Prince Davies, you know, he can fluctuate. He can be really good for Wheeler. And 
you know they they've gotten some uh, a big uh, big lift from Nash Kelly, who's done a great job at point guard. Uh, I think Milton has a better guard play. I think Wheeler's better inside, and Wheeler's just been a really really tough team. Uh, gosh, if I had to pick, I I think I'm gonna go with Wheeler just because they've been able to find ways to do it before Milton. Uh, uh, maybe a year away, but obviously not surprised if they get there. But uh, I guess I'm gonna go with Wheeler really close just because. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're seniors, a lot of veteran guys over there, and I'm just going to go with the age in this one. So um, picking Wheeler as a deciding factor. Next matchup in Class 7A, uh, the 8 p.m. game. Uh, something that we thought uh, was going to be a really big, interesting game, uh, but I don't, I don't really know if it's going to be all that great considering the first time these two teams matched up. Uh, Grayson, obviously number one in the state. Um, they beat McEachin, in the defending state champs, 83-257, way back on December 14th. Now, obviously, a lot has changed since then, uh, but Grayson, just watching how they demoralized Norcross, 65-27, to a game I was at, and obviously, heading into the Elite Eight, everybody knew Norcross versus Grayson, the worst game of the weekend, obviously, right? Everyone knew uh, uh, that was going to be the worst game of the week. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't know if I foresaw that being a, a beatdown like it was, but it was just um, overmatched and just really overpowered them. Um, and I think Grayson's going to do the same thing to McEachern uh, once they already have. Uh, I mean, they held Sharif Cooper to one point in the first half, and Sharif Cooper has been Joe Cool in the first half this entire season, coasting by, and then he turns it up in the second half and he gets the job done. And that's what he uh, he kind of did. Against um, North Gwinnett, you know, they were they were kind of behind, and uh, he turned it up at the right time, and in double overtime, uh, 75-68, uh, they got the job done over North Gwinnett. Um, McEachern, they, they, they got a lot to work on to be able to win this game. I mean, you have a really good, talented point guard in Sharif Cooper, but uh, Grayson's got dogs. And uh, Kayla Murphy, who was tremendous with 20 points against Norcross. Uh, Davon Smith, a, a guard who, this is the difference between Sharif Cooper and Davon Smith. Davon Smith can impact the game and can, you know, I'm not going to say single-handedly win a game because that's just, it's not, it's not possible really. But he can win games with what he does other than scoring. That is what makes him a different player than most guards across the entire nation, not just Sharif Cooper. He does it on the glass. He does it passing the ball. He does it defensively. He does it blocking shots. He only had four points against Norcross, all four points in the fourth quarter. They still won by 38 points, for goodness sakes. Uh, He had 11 rebounds. He had six assists. He had one steal. That's the difference. A guy that can do it nonstop on both ends. Now, free throw shooting was a a big issue for Grayson in this blowout win, and if somehow this is a close game against McEachern, or if they are able to advance and handle their business and get to the state championship, they're going to have to make free throws. They were 3 of 10 in the first half alone against Norcross, and uh, they didn't shoot much better in the second half. Um, Really, it looks like they might have finished 3 of maybe 3 of 12 from the foul line or so, 3 of 14 from the foul line. They did not shoot well, and that's scary to think. They probably should have beat Norcross by about 45. Uh, with that being said, um, Sharif Cooper's got to be in go mode from you know the moment he steps out there. I mean, he's used to shooting 30 shots a game. He's going to have to take 30 shots. He's going to have to shoot them. He's going to have to be aggressive. 
Uh, he's going to have to get some help from Cameron McDowell, who had a big game against North Gwinnett, and he's been coming along. And he had a good showing. He was their most efficient player against Grayson uh, with 15 points on 6 of 13 shooting. Um, Sharif had 17 points and 8 assists, but that came on 6 of 23 shooting, and a lot of that was in junk time in the second half. Uh, guys like Randy Brady, where are you at? you, you got to give him more than 3 points in that first meeting. Bobby Moore, who's been a tough uh, tough guy for him, he had 10 points and 9 rebounds, so he was somewhat effective. Um, but inside is what kills McEachin. They've been gobbled up inside, beaten down on the low blocks all all season long. And Ian Shefflin had his coming out party with 13 points, 10 rebounds, 11 blocks in that win over McEachin. And I think this is kind of what really turned the table um, you know, this season uh, for Grayson, uh, I know I, I wrote about it somewhere online, uh, just mentioning about how their first 10 games, they played five games that were decided by seven points or less. Uh, after that McEachin win out of their last like 19 games, they played maybe three games that were decided by seven points or less. Like that was when they said, okay, we know we're good. We just proved it. Even though McEachin's not as strong as last year, McEachin still carries weight nationally. They blew him out of the water. And Grayson has really never uh, turned back. They're locked in right now. If Grayson doesn't get this job done and doesn't get to a state title, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a huge failure, a huge collapse. Um, but I think they're really synced in. They're really locked in. Um, again, just touching back on that McEachin matchup, you know, 24.7 rebounds for Kayla Murphy on 10 of 19 shooting. Davon Smith, 17 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 blocks and a steal on 8 of 15 shooting. And Tanari Lane, 17 points and 7 rebounds. Um, it was really efficient as well. And, you know, Grayson has a good bench. Quinones Corpman, he came in, he really swung that momentum in that game against Norcross, coming in, knocking down three balls, hit four threes, had 14 points off the bench. Caden McArthur is another guy you can put in there. He's going to play good defense. He's going to sacrifice his body to draw charges. And then Tajay Kill is just a big body to rebound. I think Grayson's too big. I think they're too good. I think they're going to smack. Um, now, I'll take the bat. They won't smack McEachern as bad as last time, but you know maybe they will. But I see this one. Definitely double digits unless Sharif Cooper has a throwback game where he goes for 45 points. I don't see that happening. I think Grayson wins this one comfortably if they do not overlook McEachin. Heading in to Class 6A, let's take a look at what we have. 6A, uh, this Class 7A was at Buford City Arena on the 29th Saturday. And now we're going to look at... Uh, Class 6A, also at Buford City Arena on February the 28th. We'll start with the 4 p.m. game, which features number two South Cobb, 28 and 2, versus number three Lanier, 25 and 5. Um, South Cobb coming off a 85 61 drubbing of Evans. Uh, really just left no doubt in that one. And then Lanier, 58 55 in overtime, survived Langston Hughes. Um, this is going to be a game where Amon Washington, I think, will loom large. Uh, obviously, the region player of the year over in Region 6. Really tough. Um, I know Lanier has six foot seven Ryan Johnson, but he's more of a stretch big. He's a floor spacer. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to mix it up as well to, you know, to slow down a guy like Amon. Um, so that's going to be tough there. And then South Cobb, uh, 
with that supporting cast, Daquan Riggins, Travis Burst, Robert Dix. You know, Robert Dix is 6'6". Six, six. Raymond Bach is about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Those are long, athletic guys that can, you know, give you a couple points here and there, get a couple rebounds, and, and kind of, you know, really defend at a high level. And Lanier, um, you know, Sion James, he's going to have to have a really big game. It's going to be one of those stat sheet stuffing games. Will he have enough, uh, enough of an impact scoring ball along with Ija Phillips and Andrew McConnell? You know, they do have a good backcourt, but is it going to be enough against South Cobb? And if Zocco Littleton's locked in from deep, um, it's going to be really difficult for Lanier. Uh, I think South Cobb gets this one done, and they advance to Macon. At the 8 o'clock hour at Buford City Arena, it is number 4 Tri-Cities at 26-5 and five versus number 5 Chattahoochee 23-7. and seven. Uh, both teams, good wins. Tri-Cities, a rematch of the state title game last year. 67-65, a great win over Tucker. Chattahoochee just overpowered Sequoia. 82-67, A.J. White and Cam Sheffield just way too good. They came out red hot knocking down their shots. And if they're knocking down their shots, not a lot you can do because both those guys are going to get 25-plus on you. Um in this game, you know, just da- dating back to last year, it was 75-64 in the Sweet 16. Tri-Cities, um, they handled their business and got the job done against Chattahoochee. And I think they can do it again this year. I think tri- you know, Tri-Cities had that little lump in their throat midway through the season when Peyton Daniels got uh, suspended uh, with the ejection and all this happened again. Um, recently, but they're at full strength. They're at full strength. They're really tough to beat. Peyton Daniels going to score the ball really well. You know, Peyton Daniels and AJ White, two of the best scoring guards in the 2021 class. Expect a lot of points between those two. But I think uh, obviously it's going to be Cam Sheffield and AJ White. Both those guys are going to have to score over 25 points to give Chattahoochee a shot. I just think Tri Cities too deep. You know, Julius Lyman, if he's back on the court, that's a big six foot six guy right there. Demetrius Reeves is tough as nails, a six four slasher that's going to hit the glass really hard. You know, Eli King's not bad as well, um, and, and Mario McIntosh knows when to you know provide some some points, and then the Cottle Boys as well. Um, tough, tough little guards there. I think Tri is just a little too complete up and down. I think Chattahoochee's going to give him a really good game. Uh, I think David McDaniel has to be a big factor for Chattahoochee inside. I know Sequoia was living with him, shooting those little eight-foot shots in the paint, and he was connecting, and that's that's what you got to live with. And if he's able to do that again, I think that'll really help Chattahoochee. Um, Franklin Bailey, if he is somehow, again, left open from three, he's going to knock him down. Um, but I just think it's it's going to be too centrically focused on Sheffield and White, who are going to have great games. But I think Tri-Cities, it's going to be death by a million paper cuts because they got so many guys that can hurt you with 12 points here, 10 points there. I think Tri-Cities advances back to the state title game. Moving down to Class 5A. Let's see what we got here in Class 5A. This will be played... On Saturday, the 29th at Fort Valley State, we'll start in the 4 p.m. time slot. We have number five, Kell, at 26 and five versus number two, Dutchtown, 26 and four. 26 and four. Um, Kell, a big, gritty win on the road at Buford, 57 45. Um, th- just when you think Kell is, you know, a one man show, 
They're not a one-man show. All these guys play so hard for Coach Sellers, and it's just every single time you look, it's someone else chipping in with 12 points or having, you know, a huge game. Uh, Najee Cologne back after hurting his wrist. He All of a sudden, you know, he comes out and scores 15 points and is their leading scorer after, you know, missing some significant time with that hand injury. Um, Scooter was held to just 14 points. But it's Ty Clark now who comes out of nowhere and provides 12 points and 13 rebounds, a huge double-double uh, going up against a big front line of Buford. So that's just what Kel has done all season long. Right when you think you have them down, right when you have Scooter contained, it's someone else. It's Jamal Hill. It's you know, it's whoever else, just someone popping up. It's Xavier Presley, you know, giving you 10, 12 points. And, you know, I don't I don't know. Um you know, it's just really tough to stop. I mean, Kel doesn't have a ton of Division One players is what I'm trying to say. It's Scooter, and the rest are great role players that play their role well. They play their butts off, and they do whatever it takes to win. And that's all you need sometimes. Sometimes you don't need to go out and recruit six or seven guys that all have Division One offers. You need one centerpiece, and you need the rest of the guys that are content with doing what it takes to win, and that wins a lot, a lot of ball games. Uh, now let's throw it over. To Dutchtown, 73-72 in overtime. McCann Bryant, Hail Mary, three at the buzzer to survive. Oh, my gosh. They can't they can't have any more scares, Dutchtown. Uh, they're going to really have to come in focused and come in and take care of business against Kel, which is going to be tough. Kel's got some, you know, not a lot of size inside, but they got some physical tough guys, like I mentioned in Clark and Presley. Um, Dutchtown, obviously, is going to pound the ball inside of Jermaine Mann, a 6'5 power forward going to Gardner-Webb. Really good, been a double-double threat his entire career. Really tough, really explosive around the rim. And Cam Bryant, Cam Bryant is the X factor. You talk to multiple people, or at least I have, and that's that's the ceiling for Dutchtown. If Cam Bryant's good, they can win a state championship. If he disappears and has an eh, so-so game, which he can do sometimes, you know, they're they're a mere mortal team. And that's the issue. If Cam Bryant is locked in and everyone else does what they're supposed to do, Dutchtown is a team that has enough talent to win a state championship. Can they click all at the same time? That's very important. Now, they have other guys that can score the ball, and Cameron Hobbs as well. Um, he's been good. Isaiah Placid, another athletic swingman. So there, there is a lot of talent there. Do they have people that can shut down Scooter Henderson? You know, Coach Eddie Martin and crew, they did a really good job. You know, you hold him to 14 points when he's averaging probably close to 25, 26 a game, you're doing something right. Um, but Buford was not able to score enough. Now, Dutch Chan's a team that it looks like uh, they can put some points on the board. Um, but even looking at that second-round matchup, you know, they, they won a gritty game against Riverwood, 59-55, and then they pulled one out of their hats huh, against Columbia. They're going to have to play a lot better to beat Kel. Um, it's going to be really tough. Uh, I think I picked Dutchtown to make the state championship when we did our, our preview podcast before the state playoffs started. I don't have it in front of me right now. Um, I'm kind of scared with Dutchtown. I think they had more than enough talent to do so, but I think Kell is kind of on a magical season right now, both boys and girls, and it's just someone else. You know, it's whack-a-mole with Kell. You stop Scooter, someone else pops up. Cologne pops up. You stop uh, Cologne, uh, Ty Clark pops up. You stop him. Presley stops him. Uh, you know, Debose steps up. It's just Jamal Hill. Everybody, one after another after another, uh, other, uh, another. <laughs> it's whack a mole is what I'm trying to say. And for that reason, I think Kel gets the job done and gets to the state championship game. Now honing in at the eight o'clock game. 
Southwest Cab and Cedar Shoals, two of the good guys in coaching. Goodness gracious. Uh, would love to see one of those guys win a state championship sooner rather than later. Eugene Brown, great stand-up guy over there at Southwest Cab, uh, getting to coach his son, um, you know, at least one last time. Uh, Eugene Brown the third going to Ohio State, obviously. And then Cedar Shoals, Dreco Thomas, another great guy, a stand-up guy. Remember talking to him when they got beat by Buford in the state tournament, in the state championship game a couple years back when Flan Fleming was a senior, and he, you know, he was just devastated. What can we do to get over the top? What can we do to get over the top? Well, they're <laughs> they're right there. They're 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 you know they're climbing up that mountaintop. They're getting close to the summit. Um, they beat Lithonia fifty to forty seven in a tremendous game. They had people step up. Um, you know, Jordavian Colbert, a sophomore, had twelve points. Uh, you're looking at Quincy Canty, uh, who's a you know a solid foundation player going to USC Aiken along with uh, Tyler Johnson. Canty had thirteen and twelve. Johnson had twelve nine three and three. Um, so those guys really stepped up. It was Colbert was, was a big player that stepped up for him. And then of course they have another sophomore, a little guard and Kashik Brown, who's been their third leading scorer uh, throughout the season. So they had a great win over Lithonia. Um, you know, home court advantage, very important there. They were able to pull it out. <sighs> and, um, now you're looking at Southwest Cab. Talk about another game that was pulled out, you know, 52, 50 over Clark Central, a really tough Clark Central team. Give them a lot of credit. Uh, they had a great year. Really uh, surprised some folks down the stretch. Southwest of Cab, same story, though. Guys stepping up. Ja'Cory Giss had 12 points in that win. Uh, Eugene Brown was held to just 10 points, uh, but they got the job done. So what do we see in this matchup? You know, Southwest Cab's only 19-12, and 12, came into the tournament unranked. Uh, Cedar Shoals, number 8 in the state, but a 27-3 and three record. That's pretty dang good for number 8 in the state. Um, you know, Quincy Canty, is he going to be able to score around the rim against Mo Diallo, a big six foot 11, uh, shot blocking presence, pretty good around the rim, uh, at least, you know, altering shots, um, a decent offensive threat, not, not too much. He'll get you a couple points here and there. And then Southwest Cab also has six foot six, Kusume Draper, another big body, uh, to throw. So those are two big guys that can make things difficult for Cedar Shoals around the basket. Um, Cedar Shoals, I want to see who wants to guard Eugene Brown, another six foot six wing, uh, that rebounds and blocks shots. That's another long, lanky guy. It's a tough matchup. You know, you're talking about three guys for Southwest Cab right there that are taller than anybody Cedar Shoals has. I mean, you could give Quincy Canty six, six, so, you know, about even right there, but still that's a lot of length that Cedar Shoals is going to go up against, but who's going to guard, um, Eugene Brown is, is Tyler Johnson going to draw that assignment at times? I mean, Tyler Johnson, a real pit bull, high-motor guy who just impacts the game in many ways. Um, it's going to be a really good game. And again, you know, this is one of these games where really flip a coin. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be at that neutral site, Fort Valley State. No one really gets an advantage there. I mean, maybe a tad bit closer to Southwest. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's hard to really tell who's going to win this one. Um, I think Southwest Cab again. I said Cedar Shoals. I thought Lithonia had a little bit better of a supporting cast when they played. Um, I think Lithonia had a better supporting cast when they played Cedar Shoals. But Cedar Shoals, they got that big effort from Colbert. Can guys like uh, Colbert and Kashik Brown? Can those guys step up again in support of Canty and Johnson? Again, that is a big question. Southwest Cab has been, um, you know, a team that's playing really good basketball at the right time. 
Um, it's it's tough to it's tough to say. I mean, just looking at these results in the postseason, it's tough to say. Uh, a coin flip game. Um, I really could. I guess I'll go with. I'm gonna go with because of the length, and I'm going with the personnel. I'm gonna pick Southwest Cab in a very close one, just because I think they're long enough to bother Cedar Shoals around the rim. Um, but that's really the big reason why is because I think they're bigger. Not surprised at all if Cedar Shoals wins this game. Cedar Shoals is very good, more than capable of getting back to a state championship. But I'm just gonna go with Southwest Cab, Eugene Brown the third, and I'm gonna roll with the uh, the big time Division One player. Moving down to class 4A as I take a sip of my warm tea to keep my throat in line for this uh, Final Four preview podcast. Um, Four o'clock game, number one, Woodward Academy, 28-2 and two versus number five, Denmark, 25-5. and five. Boy, oh boy, that Woodward versus uh, Sandy Creek game, that lived up to the billing, didn't it? 58-56. Woodward Academy pulls one out after trailing late against Sandy Creek. Backdoor cut. Whitmore to Logan Stevens wins the game. Um, Walker Kessler was tremendous. Looks like he had 33 points and 13 rebounds. And that's going up against Jabari Smith, a big 6'9", you know, all-star in his in his own right. Um, and then, you know, looking at Denmark, 71-68 against Upson Lee. Upson Lee had a, you know, a shot pretty much at the buzzer halfway down. They were that close to making it back to the Final Four, but it didn't happen. You know, looking at these teams last year, uh, they met in the Elite Eight. Woodward Academy won 58-50, to um, and I think they're going to win this one against Denmark. The whole thing is Adonis Tolbert. That's your one big dude uh, for Denmark. He's about 6'5", 6'6", athletic enough, um, tough enough, physical enough, but is he tall enough is he long enough to somehow keep walker kessler off the glass and prevent him from having an explosive game just you know just reaching his arms up and getting offensive rebounds and putbacks really tough assignment um i think denmark they had the firepower with robert coward to give them give them a game if he gets really hot um but it's going to be tough because uh, you know, Whitmore is really good and running the show at Woodward. He's going to be a pest uh, going up against Sudden Smith. That's a really fun matchup to keep an eye on. And uh, Emery Lanier had a really quiet game along with Real Richard in this last round. I think they're going to, you know, wake up and uh, give uh, Kessler some big support. Um, I just think Denmark, it's just you're running into a team full of seniors and a freaking All-American that's seven foot tall going to North Carolina. It's just, it's just not your year. And I think that's why I got Woodward going to the state title game. So this next one, 8 o'clock, I have been uh, battling this one, going back and forth with what I think I should predict. And obviously my predictions don't matter much, but it is is fun to throw them out there. St. Pius versus Cross Creek. St. Pius, 73-70 in double overtime after they were dead in the water. And that's going to be a, a phrase that you're going to hear a lot in this uh, this matchup here. After they're down about five points, I believe, in double overtime, uh, they came back. Uh, Amon Kenna hit a big three from what I was told. 
And then they just found a way. 73-70 beat undefeated America Sumter. Got their payback game. Got their revenge game. Cross Creek? I was at that Cross Creek game against Lafayette. Hostile environment, I'll tell you what. But Cross Creek was on the verge of getting embarrassed. Well, they did get embarrassed in the first half. They were on the verge of having a terrible three-hour, four-hour drive uh, back to Augusta. Um, down 31-16 to 16 at the half. But then they did what they were supposed to do. And I will tell you what they were supposed to do. So this is what happened. The Lafayette game. Little guard, scrappy team. Didn't do anything crazy, overly special. You know, had some weave action on the side. Uh, got some guys going downhill, got into the lane. Um, Cross Creek tried to run a 3-2 zone to open up with. You know, they got some great size. About three six six guys. So much length. You look at these guys and they look Dang good coming off the bus. And they are good basketball players. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. I'm not trying to say they're not. But my gosh, the holes in that defense, glaring holes, massive gaps. Little Lafayette, they'd get Jalen Ramsey, a little 5'8 lefty, little guard. He would sneak into the lane. They would sometimes collapse. No one would rotate down. And to be a dump off, easy layup for Asa Deal, who killed Cross Creek. He was the leading scorer in this game with 18 points, had 13 in the first half. He killed him on just simple layups. And then, you know, rotating to shooters in the corner. Cross Creek, slow. Sometimes there was hardly an effort to get out to shooters. Very scary stuff. Could not stop penetration. And the one thing that, you know, I I asked someone, I said, someone that knows Cross Creek, I said, what am I going to see from Cross Creek? They're going to be long, they're going to be big, they're going to be athletic, and they're going to love to shoot threes. What did Cross Creek do in the first half? Launch from the outside. When you have a huge size advantage, they were taking how many jumpers? Threes and outside shots combined. Threes and outside shots combined in that first half had to be nearing 20. And they, I mean, they did not make many. And I know this is a team that can shoot some threes because they love them. But just looking at how many threes they made throughout the course of the game, I see one, I see two, I see three. I see three threes that were made from a team that loves to shoot threes. That's not good. That's not efficient. That's not effective. You can't do that in the state tournament. Well, uh, give credit to Coach Lawrence Kelly. They did the right thing in the second half, which was, you know, an obvious adjustment. I don't know what he said, but... You could tell what happened. They pounded the ball inside. Markel Ware, the big 250-pounder inside. They pounded the ball into him. They pounded the ball into 6'6", Corey Trotter. They, you know, they got Kobe Stewart getting more towards the basket, the 6'6", man, going to Presbyterian. They got him going to the rim, and they, he was smooth, and they were getting whatever they wanted. Lafayette, it was painful to see the season slowly slipping away from Lafayette, but give the Ramblers a hell of a lot of credit for not letting this game get ugly because it could have been ugly. Cross Creek was over 20 points better than them in the second half. They ended up winning 58-55 over Lafayette. Lafayette had a, a shot at the end there. Well, they had an opportunity to get a shot at the end there, but they were not able to get one up. <sighs> With that being said, Corey Trotter was really big inside. 14 points, 15 rebounds, 2 blocks, 2 steals. Kobe Stewart, 17 points. Only had one rebound. Only had one steal. You got to hit the glass more. That that I don't mean it's just one game, but he's got to be able to affect the game more than just uh, scoring the ball. Um, you know who really made a difference for them? Andre Herbert, a senior football player. I want to say he's a wide receiver. He was a difference. Other than punching the ball going high-low in the second half where they just got whatever they wanted against Lafayette, 
It was Herbert, who didn't play a whole lot in that first half. He got out there, started guarding on ball against Jalen Ramsey. They picked up their pressure defensively. They started getting active hands, active feet. You know, sometimes they could get beat a little bit, but they're just so long they could poke the ball away. He was the one that really turned around that defense. Herbert did a great job just going out there and giving really good effort. As I take a sip of my water, that was a difference maker. Andre Herbert coming in there and them giving more effort in the second half. Now, Cross Creek, boy, let's see. We got them ranked number six at 24 and six. St. Pius 23 and seven unranked. I, that was a mistake on mine. They should have been ranked at the end of the regular season, but I was doing it at 1.30 a.m. and I dropped the ball with that one. So I apologize to Golden Lion fans. That is 100% my fault. With that being said, Cross Creek, 58-51 over Carver Columbus. Okay, we'll give it to them. 34-32 against Marist. I think they had only about seven points or so at the half. Terrifying, terrifying. And then again, they rallied to beat Lafayette. Cross Creek and these last two games, they have struggled. They let the opponents really control the tempo and control what is going on. And that scares me a lot against an Aaron Parr coach St. Pius team that is efficient and effective. They move the ball around. They'll get into the paint with dribble drives. They'll kick out the open shooters. If Cross Creek plays like they did in the first half against St. Pius, they are going to get embarrassed and they are going to get blown out of the gym. And, you know, this is a bad matchup for Cross Creek. Other than the size, which, you know, if they pound the ball inside, they're going to be A-OK. They're going to be fine. It's going to be a close, gritty game. They're going to be just fine. But if they fall in love with the jumpers early, and if they're not hitting them, and you waste a quarter or two quarters launching up threes, and you can only convert one or two of them, they are in trouble. You cannot fall behind against good teams and expect these miraculous comebacks. Marist, you know, they just barely lit them off the hook. Lafayette, same thing. Lafayette was just out, man. They just didn't have enough firepower. St. Pius, I am really scared about this game. Who is going to keep, keep Brooks uh, Callert out of the lane? He is a whiz kid passer. He is going to cut him up. He's going to get into the lane, and he's going to find open shooters, and they're going to find open men. I am really scared about this game if I'm Cross Creek. Cross Creek, again, they have they have the talent. Makai Clemens, a big 6'3 uh, guard, he made some big plays down the stretch. He had 14 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. But does Cross Creek want to move their feet enough against St. Pius, who's going to have a couple lengthy possessions here and there, but they're going to be whipping the ball around so fast that you might break your neck. I'm really scared about Cross Creek in this one. It's not a good matchup for them. If they punch the ball inside, they're going to have a huge advantage advantage and they could win this game because it looks like uh, you know St. Pius uh, Cal Peterson's about 6'4 that's their, their biggest um, post presence that I think plays the most I know they have a 6'8 on the roster but I don't know how much he plays um, I'm very concerned for Cross Creek this is a game that could go very wrong for them I pick Cross Creek to win and go to the final four um, I think they're the better I wouldn't I think they had the better players, individual players, but I'm just very scared with the Lafayette and the Mares. Can they shake it off? And can they get the job done at Fort Valley State? St. Pius, even though you know a lot of these kids haven't played super huge minutes back when St. Pius was making it to the state championship and battling ups and lee. Um this is a program that knows what to do when they get the big spots like this. Cross Creek has never been there before. Uh bright eyed and bushy tailed. This is uh this is a land of 
you know, first for Cross Creek, um, who am I picking in this one? It's really tough to pick against a team like Cross Creek that has, you know, the athletes and the talent and just the overall skilled players. But the coaching of Coach Aaron Parr and that system, they make a lot of really good teams look really bad. I picked Cross Creek at the beginning of the podcast, um, you know, and I hate flip-flopping and I want to stick with them. Um, but everything I've seen, it like I said, it just looks like it's going to be a bad matchup. And um, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Let me take a one last look at a, a, a like opponent right here before I make my final, my final choice, Cross Creek. Obviously playing with uh, Burke County. They beat Burke County 61-56, and they blew them out 80-56 in their two games. Uh, St. Pius saw them in the first round of the tournament. and uh, Well, second round of the tournament. and uh, They beat them. Let's see here. No, Burke County, that is incorrect. That is West Lawrence I'm thinking of. So we got no like opponents here that I can base this off on, which makes it even tougher. With that being said, so I don't ramble anymore, um, I'm going to go with... I'll stick with Cross Creek in a very interesting game. It's either going to be Cross Creek close or St. Pius in a blowout. So that's my wrap-up. That's my pick. St. Pius, Cross Creek. Spent a lot of time on that one. Cross Creek close or St. Pius in a blowout. I think Cross Creek just barely finds a way, but I'm not surprised if St. Pius advances back to the state championship. Let's get back on track here. Class 3A, we are going to be playing these ones on the 29th, again, Saturday. This one at Valdosta State. We will start with the 4 o'clock matchup. Pace Academy, number one in the state, 26-4 versus number eight, Johnson-Savannah, 23-7. Johnson-Savannah, they had a barn burner, uh, were able to hold off. Long County, 49-46, and then Pace Academy just whitewashed Monroe area, 65-40. Johnson, they're, they got a good backcourt. You know, the, you got Amandre Bowles, is really, really good region player of the year, super tough. He's going to put up, you know, close to 20 points per game, as is Derek Edwards, a really talented scorer. Uh, but both those guys are on the smaller side. And then you got freshman Antonio um, Baker. He's about six foot. And then freshman Larry Pounds is 5'9". And Pounds had 11 points in that win over Long County, so he really stepped up. But the guy who needs to step up, needs to step up to give this team a chance is six foot seven senior Quay Williams. Second team all region out of Region 3. He needs to have an impactful game. If he doesn't, it's not going to matter. Matt Cleveland at 6'6 is too good. Cole Middleton at 6'6 inside, too good, too physical. Madison Durr is a 6'4 guard. I mean, I don't have to name off the entire roster for you, but Pace Academy has been on a mission. Uh, they're blowing everybody out. They beat Beach 61-32. to um, You know, I believe Beach beat Johnson earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, that's one thing you can't really – can't really uh, look at these like scores and 
you know, think it's going to be the end all be all and it's going to make a, a huge, you know, a huge factor in what happens in the game. But it's just interesting to look at. I mean, Beach, they did lose to Johnson 76 61 the first time, uh, but then they did beat Johnson 61 60. And then they did beat Johnson again in the region tournament 67 62. So, you know, all signs are pointing to Johnson's going to have to have a heroic game from Bulls and, um, also, Edwards, both those guys, they're going to have to score over 20 points. They're going to have to, you know, get this game up and down and uh, try to wear out Pace Academy, but I just don't see that happening. I think Pace Academy rolls in this one. Now, looking at our 8 p.m. game. Whoo, this should be a good one. Jefferson, number six in the state, 21 and 7, versus Central Macon, who comes in at. Um, you know, 23 and 7, unranked, uh, fell out of the poll at the end of the season there. Two really good big men in this one. But before we dive into that, let's break down what happened in the last round. Central Macon in overtime, 79 to 76. Windsor Force collapsed down the stretch and they took advantage of it. Quay Primus, 6 6, 6 7 on a good day. The big man. 20 of his 28 points in the second half to go along with 21 rebounds. He is a dominant post presence and a game changer. But you look at Jefferson, 55-45 over Monroe. Sounds like they led pretty much the entire game against a very good, very athletic Monroe team. Didn't phase him. Jacob Radiker, uh, you know, able to have a really strong game. Took care of business. Um, The Parker Twins able to help out as well. Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is a, a game that's going to come down to the big men, obviously. Uh, who will get the best out of the two skilled bigs? Is it going to be Radiker or is it going to be Quay Primus? Um, we will see. I mean, Radiker had 20 points in that last round, and then Owen Parker had 14, Malachi Starks had 10. Uh, it hasn't been often that both of these guys have seen big post presences that can really kind of match what they do, especially Jacob Radiker. Now, Radiker might have a you know a couple inches on him, but Primus is a big, strong boy, and he is a great rebounder. This is going to be a really tough game. Um, Jefferson, just looking at their path and what they've done, I mean, beating pretty much beating everyone they are supposed to beat. You know, they beat Monroe area throughout the year. They beat Franklin County throughout the year. They beat Hart County throughout the year. That was a really, really good region, Region 8. Um, they've been handling their business in the postseason, had a little bit of a scare against Pierce County, and then, you know, they were able to shut down Monroe and take care of business. You're looking at Central. You know, they pulled one out of the fire to beat Windsor Forest. That was really good. They did beat Hart County 55-43, and then they hammered Appling. Uh, so they had some good results as well. This is a good game. Again, looking at this one, I'm looking at the role players. Who's going to step up? Is it going to be Spencer Darby? Is he going to loosen up the defense and knock down some threes for Jefferson? Is it going to be uh, Antonio Card? Is he going to give you another big-time effort scoring the ball defensively and then on the glass as well? Harold Tompkins, who is going to step up for Central Macon? Um it's uh, at Valdosta State. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a little bit closer to Central Macon, but Jefferson again, just on this this magical run, and they just been good coaching, been beating good teams all year long. They've seen this, they've seen that, they've handled everything well. It's a good team. Cam Robinson's a speedy, quick point guard that can get in the lane and give you some issues. I'm just going to have to roll with Jefferson. I, I guess I am a believer in the Dragons. I saw one of their lone losses earlier in the year. 
against Franklin County, but since that loss, shoot, they have not really lost many. Jefferson is playing outstanding basketball, and I have Jefferson moving on to Macon for the Class 3A state championship. We will swing it down to Class 2A as I take a sip of water. Class 2A, this one will be obviously uh, attended by yours truly. I will be at Class 4A and Class 2A as of now. Class 2A, February 29th, Saturday, Georgia College, Milledgeville, my home away from home, or at least it used to be. Love Milledgeville. But with that being said, 4 o'clock game, we got some great matchups here. We got some big boys. We got number one Swainsboro, 29-2, versus number two Glen Hills, 23 and seven. Swainsboro, as I, you know, accurately, give me credit for this one, accurately predicted, I said they are going to skull crush everybody in the state tournament. And what has Swainsboro done? They have just, just beat up on people. 72-52 over Jefferson County, 74-56 over South Atlanta. And then Rock Martin, hey, never stood a chance. 94 to 55. Huh. So then you look at Glen Hills coming from that really good, really deep uh, Augusta region. 72-58 over Woodville Tompkins. 74-62 over Douglas. Nice win. And then 76-69 and a close one against Spencer. So Glen Hills has seen some good teams and they've handled their business as well. So here we go. The forwards. Trey Whitehead and Emmanuel Jones. Those are the two guys both averaging close to 19 points and 7 rebounds per game for Glen Hills. Both about 6-6. Both really good. But what Swainsboro have? They might not be that big, but they have two 6-3 twins, Frederick and Cedric Sebro. Big old boys. Frederick averaging 14 points and 11 rebounds. Cedric, 10 points per game. So that's some big meat right there on the glass, and they can really bludgeon you inside. Um, looking at Glen Hill's win over Spencer, people stepped up. You know, Whitehead had his 20 points and 8 rebounds. Really good. But the difference makers here, Octavius Walton, 16 points. He averages only 8 points and 5 assists on the year. 5 assists, really good. So he stepped up. Lazarius Marshall averages 5 points per game on the year. He had a great, great effort with 13 points. Emmanuel Jones was held to just 12 points, so... That was, um, you know, a little below his average. But I'm looking at this game. Swainsboro with Emmanuel Hackett averaging 19 points and 7 rebounds. Transferred in from Metter. Gave him that firepower. A.J. Kingsbury with 16 points per game. Derek Jones, 8 points, 3 blocks a game. Um, I'm, I'm sticking with Swainsboro in this one. But Glenn Hills does have the size at the forward spots to give them a run for their money. But Swainsboro, I think Swainsboro has just been so good all season long. I like Swainsboro in this one. I think it's going to be a good game. I think Swainsboro with those Seabro brothers just going to be really big, really physical, and really be able to get some things around the rim against Glen Hills and kind of make Whitehead and Jones uncomfortable. Now at the 8 p.m. hour, Chattooga 24-6 versus number 3 Farrell 24-7, the defending state champs. Chattooga 67-57 at Banks County got the win. Held Carl Cleveland to 18 points in his final game. Farrell 57-55 pulling one out against Washington County. Really, really good game right there. 
but they got the job done in a close one. So, what do we think here? Everybody knows how to beat Theral. Obviously, we all know by now how to beat Theral. Easier said than done. You want to play a zone, you want to keep him off the glass, and you want him to shoot threes. But if it's a close game late, you're in trouble. Theral wins close games. That's what they do. Um, Cameron Fortson stepping up, but Robbie Armbrester out. 22 points and 8 rebounds. And Roman Sun had 17 points, 6 rebounds, and 9 assists. Really good effort there. So what is Chattooga going to do with Theral? Well, Chattooga did what they always do against Banks County. If you're going to let them shoot threes, you know, these are polar opposite teams. Theral wants to punch the ball inside. Chattooga's going to let them fly from deep. The three ball, we all know, is a great equalizer this time of year in the state tournament. They hit 11 threes against Banks County. Jatorian Williams, big Williams. He's been on a tear so far in the postseason. He's been knocking down shots. You got Malachi Jackson, a really good shifty guard that can get into the lane. And Jamarius Mosteller, a lockdown defender and a football player, really good. And we can't forget the freshman, Damian Smith. He can light you up from deep. Theral's going to have to play well. I just worry about the physicality of this game. Theral with Fortson and then Rashawn Frederick, a big 6'4", wing that can get downhill and has improved his three-point shot a little bit. Those two guys... Really tough. Can Chattooga keep them off the backboards? Can they keep them out of the lane? Can they coax Theral into enough three-point shots? And can they contest the three-point shots? Calvin Miller has proven that he's their, you know, their, their go-to three-point shooter. And like I said, Frederick has improved from deep as well. Romanson, not necessarily a three-point shooter. Um, Chattooga, they have to try to keep the ball out of Romanson's hands. Don't let him create. Don't let Theral go in the full-court transition game. You have to make Theral become a half-court team. Again, easier said than done, but we've seen it so many times before. Theral is a, you know, a team that will kill you if you get into a run-and-gun matchup. But you know, Theral's a really good defensive team as well. If you're looking at it, you know, 78-54 over Putnam County, 65-56 Laney, then 57-55 over Washington County. Theral is comfortable playing these games in the 50s. It's not a big deal. We talk about slowing down Theral, but it's not like Theral's putting up 80, 90 points a game like a Spencer does. That's not what they do. They win close games. They'll grind you out. If you let them run, they're going to take advantage. If you don't let them run, they're going to get shots off the backboard, second chance opportunities. That's what you have to stop. Does Chattooga have enough to do so? It's going to be tough. If Chattooga's knocking down their threes, it'll be a good game. If Chattooga goes cold from deep, and we're saying they're about 3 of 18 from deep, they are in big trouble. I'm going with Farrell. They've been here before. Don't have quite as much firepower without Armbrester, so they are, you know, they're, 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 I wouldn't say ripe for the pickings, but if anyone could beat them this year, you know, it's, you know, it comes to this time of year is when you can get the job done. But I'm going with Farrell to win this one. Class A Private, as we head down the final stretch here, Class A Private going to be played at Georgia College and State. Going to be played on Friday. We start with number one, St. Francis, 27-3 versus number three, Mount Pisgah, 22-7. St. Francis swept them, 64-49, 74-59, and then 79-50 in the Region 6 Championship. They just ran wild with Xavier Signee. Uh, Dwan Odom, 29 points, 14 of 17 from the field, 6 assists, 5 steals, and Jusson Holt, 17 points, um, 
Chase Tucker for Mount Pisgah is going to have to knock down shots along with Chandler Minton. JoJo Peterson is going to have to be locked in, and Nate Gordon is going to have to protect the rim. Um, Pisca's given them a game for uh, a while in the first half and a couple of those games, but they just really ran out of gas and just not enough. And I think it's going to be a lot tighter than their last matchup. Uh, I could see this game being single digits, but I think St. Francis, uh, that pedigree is just too strong. I think they get the job done. Then we're looking at the uh, 8 p.m. game. Number two, Green Force versus number six, Trinity Christian. Trinity Christian, 20 and 10. Green Force, 19 and 9. These two teams hooked up back on the 14th of January. 54 53 at Green Force. Green Force won. Jalen Force, 17 points. Odin, Lamar Odin, 13 points. Christian Fussell, 11 points. And, you know, the big thing to look at here this is before Chase Cormier. Uh, joined the roster as a big time three point shooter, and this is when Trinity Christian had a six foot eight Giancarlo Bastioni, who has since uh, hurt his foot and he has been out. Uh, Bastioni, twelve point six rebounds in that game, but they do still have North Georgia uh, commit Brady Burnett, six five wing, had twenty three points and seven rebounds. He hit seven threes. That's gosh, that's a big number that he's going to have to replicate. But he's you know even if he doesn't hit seven threes, which is asking a ton. Um, he does have that versatility to kind of space out the floor and give Green Force a, a couple little problems here and there. Uh, but Raul, uh, Arias, and then Isaac Brito have to play better. Arias had a nice game of 12 points with Brito, just six points. He's going to have to do more. And, you know, you're looking at a Trinity Christian team, even at full strength, did not have a deep bench, could play about six guys. Now you're really hamstrung without the big guy inside. It's going to be tough for them. I think they're going to put up a good fight, but I think Green Force just healthier and more firepower at this time of year. I'm going with Green Forest. And to wrap things up now, we are going to go to Class A Public, going to be played at Valdosta State, of course, on the 28th of Friday. 4 p.m. start. We have number one, Trutland, 29-0. They were in this position last year. Can they finally get over the hump? They're playing number four, Terrell County, 25-2. Trutland, the big three, Kasabian Mitchell, Cam Jordan, Chris Foy. That is where it starts. That is where it stops. Terrell County, I got Shontavian Bowens, was a region player of the year. He has had a really good season for the Green Wave. Um, and he's been posting about, what, close to about 14 points and 8 rebounds per game. And they've had some help from some other players as well who have come up big. Um, it's going to be really tough for them. Um, you know, Kaborian Stevens, Ricardo Sims, those are the other two guys that really help out Terrell County. Uh, this is going to be a game that Trutland wants to play run and gun, run and gun, run and gun, but Trutland has had some pretty, uh, close results lately. Uh, so that's something to really keep an eye on. Um, Trutland won 78-77 over Lincoln County. Terrell County won 73-55 over Dooley County. Um... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with Trutland because they've been there before, but I think Terrell County, I think they're more of a defensive-minded group. They could give them some problems. Um, I'll go with Trutland, but I'm not overly confident in them. They just have to get this monkey off their back. they got to get back to making. they got to get the job done this year because if they don't get the job done this year, it's going to be a while before we see Trutland at 29 know with the amount of talent they have. And then our final game to recap, or preview actually, at 8 p.m., we have number three, Hancock Central, 26-3 versus number two, Wilcox, 27-0. Really good game here. Hancock with those guards, Jamal Taylor. He had 15 points against Calhoun County, pretty much right on his average. 
in a 68-53 win over the defending state champs. And then Leroy Wilson, uh, he had, a, I think, I want to say it about nine points, but Leroy Wilson, uh, he averages about 16 points per game. So those two guards really lead him, pace him. And then you look at Wilcox County, 96-94 in overtime over Wilkinson County. I've said it. From uh, you know the our first podcast, I think Wilcox County is a team of destiny this year. Desmond Tisdall, the four-star linebacker going to Auburn, is a big, physical, strong guy that just is a workhorse. Uh, Keyshawn Howard, Jordan Brown gives some scoring from the perimeter. This Wilcox team, a lot of these guys, I, I, I mean, a, a lot of these Class A public schools could probably say the same, but these guys have been you know playing big minutes since their freshman year on varsity. Now. It's time to get the job done, and I think Hancock Central's really good, but Wilcox, you know, it's a it's a a um, neutral court. I think that's really big because whoever would have home court advantage at this time of year, I think they would win. But once you get to a, a neutral court, I think it evens the playing field up a lot. And I, I don't know. I think Wilcox is tough. I think Hancock has seen some really good teams throughout the year, and you know, obviously you're out of Region Seven. You you you've been battle tested, but for some reason. I'm sticking with Wilcox County. I'm going to go with those guys, going with the Patriots. They've been really good, really tough, undefeated out of Region 2. I'm going to stick with the Patriots. So with that being said, that is every single Final Four matchup in the GHSA Boys Bracket Previewed. A one-man show for real this time. I had to keep this short, keep it under one hour, which it looks like I was just able to do so, which is good news for you guys and better news for me. So with that being said, make sure you follow along at KyleSandy355 on Twitter and at SandySpiel on Twitter as well. Obviously, check out SandySpiel.com. We will be having updates all throughout. We have all state teams that will be coming uh, soon after the conclusion of the state tournament. And also, we have some CTC action coming up on March 15th at East Paulding High School. Check that out on my Twitter. Go to createtheculture.org. We have the CTC All-Star Weekend, which is going to feature seniors from Cherokee County, Cobb County, and Paulding County, both boys and girls, in an All-Star game playing against one another. And then we also do have a camp later that evening, 1.30 start time, I believe, for the girls, 6 p.m. start time for the boys, four games guaranteed, um, $80 entry, uh, an open camp for anybody who wants to come play. It's not just for seniors. Seniors are obviously welcome, but for everybody to come and showcase and get some media coverage, I will be there providing player evaluations on everybody in camp like we did last time. So check out createtheculture.com, CTC Athletics on Instagram and on Twitter. With that being said, everybody, I appreciate you listening. I will see you in the gym, and I will see you in Macon next week. Thanks.